Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, so today is um, Monday, the day after Pentecost. Did you guys do Pentecost sermons yesterday? No. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> hey, that's a trick question. Uh, yeah, I wasn't paying quite as much attention as I should. Actually, we record, we're recording this a few days early. Right. Yep. So, um, But you're planning on doing a Pentecost sermon. Yes, we'll sermon do a Pentecost sermon. This coming Sunday, which is yesterday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, Russ? Yes. Okay, so I I, uh, I did not. I'm going to continue. I, I'm continuing through Corinthians. But I, I imagine not a lot of churches did Pentecost sermons yesterday because we, we've kind of lost that connection to the church calendar. So let's just finish up the text from Acts chapter 2. Uh, after after Peter preaches this this sermon in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost, you know, he, he begins by saying what you're seeing with, with – uh, Speaking in tongues, hearing the the God going be glorified in your own language is what what Joel prophesied about in Joel chapter two, and then he goes on to say that the meat of his message, which is about Jesus Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, this was the very descendant of David that was promised to David after he rose from the dead, he ascended in heaven, and now he sits at the throne of God, which is the fulfillment of the covenant promises of the Old Testament, and then. When they heard this, picking up in verse 37, they were all cut to the heart. Now, can we just pause there for a second? This being cut to the heart is a miracle in itself, right? That's that's what the Spirit does. Right, right. Because that's, we said on yesterday. And that's the miracle, is the Spirit has to work the, in the heart to create regeneration right, in think, order for us exactly. to actually receive Him. I, I think there's a, a huge myth, and it has been in evangelicalism for some time, that if I just preach the right words, if I just have the right passion, if I can just give mm-hmm. the right gimmick, then I can get the response that um, is necessary. But we, we see in all of Jesus' preaching prior to the day of Pentecost that um, except for those whom the Father had chosen, um, Jesus' Jesus' preaching had zero effect on anybody that he preached to. In fact, when he, he spoke, he often got stones thrown, you know, people would pick up stones to get ready to stone him, right? Mm-hmm. This is the greatest preacher of all time. And now all of a sudden, Peter's preaching, this, this fisherman, this uneducated fisherman, and they're cut to the heart. And that's the miracle of the new birth. That's the miracle of of regeneration, right? Well, and it's also a fulfillment of the promise of of Jesus that when he says that the Spirit is going to be given, he tells his disciples that the Spirit will convict the world of unrighteousness. And I believe this is the actual application of that promise. He'll, he'll convict the word of sin, of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. judgment. Yes, mm-hmm. that this is actually the fulfillment of that promise. That that was a precise promise, and it was a promise given to the apostles. 
and this is the fulfill- the fulfillment of that that the spirit's given and conviction occurs and that's what you read here brothers what shall we do and now all of a sudden you you've got the gospel being able to be presented because the spirit is doing the work that the spirit has always done mhm but it's being given in abundance here yeah and what you're going to find is that many are going to come under the conviction of the Spirit's work as the Spirit has been poured out on the apostles and as they're proclaiming the truth of God's Word, which is also in fulfillment to what Jesus said in the upper room, of that the Word of truth would come, mm-hmm. and now it's coming. The disciples had had that work of the Spirit in their own life already, you know, uh, when Jesus asked them, are you going to fall away also? The response was, where should we go? You alone have the words of of eternal life. And so we recognize that the Holy Spirit was already working. He's always worked. You know, this is how people come to um, an, a knowledge of, of God and regeneration of new birth. When Jesus was asked, um, you know, um, concerning this by Nicodemus, he said, he told them, you must be born again, but the Spirit moves where the Spirit wants, just like the the wind. You don't know where it's coming. You you hear the sound of it. Here we've heard the sound of the Spirit's work at Pentecost with 3,000 coming to, to know Christ. There is no denying that the Spirit blew through those people mm-hmm. and they were changed. You really have two actions of the Spirit happening on Pentecost. One, the the Spirit coming on the disciples in fullness. Mm -hmm. So this isn't the first time they've experienced the working of the Spirit in their life. The difference is the degree. Mm -hmm. And so you've got that aspect of the Spirit's work on on Pentecost and the second act of, of the Spirit's work on Pentecost where He's acting as the spirit of conviction. May, may I offer uh, um, an analysis real quick of comparing those two together? I think often w- what our Pentecostal friends do is they make much of the uh, the outward extraordinary manifestations and they m- make less of the, the inward manifestations and the, the power. I would say that the greater miracle in Pentecost is in – uh, verse 37 when it says that they were cut to the heart i think that's the greater miracle more so than the ability uh, to speak in tongues at the beginning of the chapter and i think this is is demonstrable throughout church history it is much more difficult to raise a spiritually dead person um to life and to love god than it is for you know the spirit to be poured out for for instance like on on samson of old where he gained all this strength and he was able to kill you know a thousand men with a, a, a donkey's jawbone the Spirit's work is, is, is seen in a greater way when people bow the knee to Jesus than when it's, there's just an, um, s- some display of extraordinary power. Well, I think we do have to wrestle with what Jesus said to his disciples when he's doing all these miracles and he says to them, you'll do greater things than these. And you look at the life of Jesus and say, really? Really? What, what greater things do you mean? I mean, he raised people from the dead. He healed all these people. He, I mean, we don't. What, how could you say that his disciples are going to do greater things unless you accept what Josh just got done saying? Mm-hmm. That the greater things is the, these conversions 
not that they've done, but it's through their instrumentality. They are the instrument by which the word goes forth that brings the conviction of sin, which brings repentance, um, which brings about new life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that is what Jesus was referring to when he's saying you're going to do greater things. And the greater thing is bringing dead, um, unregenerate people to life. Yeah. Well, and there are hints of this even in the gospel. In Luke 10, in chapter 10, you know, Jesus has sent out the um, disciples, 72 of them, two by two, you know, going out. And they returned to him with joy. They, they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And uh, he, he says, I've given you authority. I've given you that authority. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's reminding them of, of, of the greater thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, they they have they've experienced a certain power and boldness in going from city to city and proclaiming, um, you know, redemption. But um, the ultimate work is that work of the of this of the spirit. I think I can speak for the the guys in the room. I mean, this is what allows us every week to go up to the pulpit. Yes, um, it's said that at. Spurgeon, when he would go up to the pulpit, as he was uh, ascending the stairs, would be saying in his mind or under his breath, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work that we do is to bring the word of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all we have. Yeah. Um, what happens with the word of truth is completely the, the work of the Spirit. Yeah. This is why Revelation says, "He that has you, know, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." the The point is, the Spirit has to even give us ears. Yes, you know yes. we we don't we don't hear in our own natural ability the spiritual spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Paul would say, and this is the reason why people don't uh, respond to the gospel because there has to be a spiritual discernment that's been given to them by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I just want to add a corrective. I mean, I've been asked several times by some people about, well, it doesn't appear like you in the Reformed world believe in the work of the Spirit, that you have all this order and structure, but you don't believe in in the Spirit. And I have responded to these people, I am highly offended by that, because I think the Spirit works in my heart every week. Um, that the prayer of my heart when I'm studying God's word is, as Jonathan's been saying, give me ears to hear Mm -hmm. and eyes to see Um, so that when I proclaim your word, it is your word, your word of truth, that I have been graciously given the opportunity to to understand so that I can proclaim it faithfully. Well, look how how Peter is structured his sermon. mm -hmm. He quotes a large section of Joel, he then quotes several psalms. Psalm 16. He's very extremely structured. Mm-hmm. And this is all the work of the Spirit. Yeah. If your presupposition is that, well, the Spirit only works in, in spontaneity and extemporaneous yeah. speech, then Peter's then not he, doing stream of consciousness right, here. Right, like what, like what we're doing here. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then the, I, we also believe in the work of the Spirit in our, in our people. Yes. That what we're praying for throughout the week as we're studying God's word is that they would also get to see and hear and that the spirit mm-hmm. would accompany it with power to bring about conviction and that they would be conformed, convicted and 
if necessary, converted by it, but conform to the image of well, Christ. I, I know. I'm sure it's the same for you guys, but there's not a Sunday that we don't get up, that we don't ask for the Spirit's illumination mm-hmm. on the word that we're preaching. Yeah. That you know, in our in the in the preparation to hearing God's word, we're we're praying that 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 He would give us understanding into His word. So we are very much dependent on the Holy Spirit's work here. Yeah. And I think I've said this before, but I think the greatest gift that you can give to your pastor is to pray for them in the study that they do throughout the week, that that God would would bless their study, that God would help them be reliant upon the Spirit's work. Because as pastors, we can go into a a mindset of self-reliance, and you don't want us to be studying God's Word in our own power. And you don't want us to go – I remember praying this just this last Sunday morning, like, Lord, when when I go to the pulpit, help me not to depend upon my charisma. Uh, my personality, the loudness of my speech, the 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 passion of my feelings, help me to rely only on your spirit and the word. Let all the power be seen to come from those things as opposed to myself. And I I think there is an application for for you know if if you're not a pastor, if you're if you're engaged in evangelism with your neighbors and your families and your friends. Trust that the Holy Spirit loves working through the Word of God, mm-hmm. and. Um, Trust that you don't have to come up with some clever argument. Just just bring the word of God to him. Like we, Spur, Spurgeon did say, you know, the, the word of God is like a lion. You just need to let it out of the cage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll, it'll devour whoever it, it goes before. So um, just keep that in mind. We are coming to a close to the end of the show today. This has been the Gospel for Life. Uh, we've been going through uh, the post-resurrection appearances of Christ and his ascension and Pentecost. If you've missed any of our broadcasts, just subscribe in your app to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.